a lot of churches are lowering the standards of what it means to be a Christian. And it's a serious problem that goes on in many places. Many churches are doing that for the sake of drawing more and more people, or maybe they're trying to be relevant to the culture, or for many other reasons. I personally know a lot of pastors and preachers who never mention sin, or the danger and consequences of sin, never mention hell, God's judgment, repentance, personal holiness, and so on. And their purpose for not preaching about those topics is that they don't want to offend people. And they think if you offend people, maybe they will leave the church and they will have less members and so on. I also hear often preachers preaching only positive messages. Positive, positive, quote unquote, of course, that sound more like motivational speeches than actual biblical sermons. They don't want to talk about sin in specific terms. They don't even call, nowadays, a lot of preachers, they don't call sin, sin. Uh, uh, They would would say, instead of sin, they would say, they say brokenness. They say faults. They say shortcomings. Unfortunately, a lot of churches became tolerant of sin and began to compromise with the world. And because of all of this, because of all of this, Many churches, there are people that believe themselves to be born-again Christians. They confess to believe, and many of them come to church regularly, but in reality, they never really surrendered their life to Christ. Never. It was never a total submission. They're not committed to Christ. They don't follow Christ in their everyday life. They're not students of Scripture. They're not sensitive to sin. They don't grow in holiness and purity. But they believe themselves to be Christians. And that right there, brothers and sisters, is a huge problem, a huge tragedy. In reality, in many churches today, not just in America or in Europe, it's a problem even on the Balkans, where I'm coming from, in Macedonia. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And in the text that we read, we see that to follow Jesus, you need to be totally surrendered to Him. With all that you are and with all that you have, uncompromisingly to strive to follow Him and obey Him in everyday life. So my theme today, based on these verses, is simply this. And I hope that all of us will remember this. The only way to follow Jesus is totally. The only way to follow Jesus is totally. Only those who are following Jesus totally, totally are really following Jesus. This is a key biblical truth, and we have to understand this. Now, in the context of these verses, Jesus already told his disciples two times that he will be rejected by his people, and he will die on the cross. In verse 51, here in Luke 9, it already says that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Also, a few verses before this situation that we read, Jesus told his disciples in Luke 9, 23, that the only way to follow Jesus is to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him. This means you have to deny yourself, deny your selfishness, your self-love, self-centeredness, and to faithfully follow Jesus despite how much it will cost you. That's what it means to be a Christian. And this command that I just read, I mean three commands, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus. Jesus said those commands in present tense, which means 
You deny yourself, believe in Jesus, repent, and at that very moment you are saved. At that very moment you are saved. You honestly repent of your sins. You believe in Jesus. But the evidences that you really denied yourself, and you really took up your cross, and you really followed Jesus, and that you will continue doing that for the rest of your life. That's why these commands are in present tense. It indicates something that continues. That's what it means. Now here in the text we read, we see that we read, we see three people. Two of them seemingly are volunteering to follow Jesus. And one of, the, one of them was called by Jesus to follow him. And at the end, we don't know if these people really began to follow Jesus. But even Luke, the author of, the, of this gospel, doesn't focus on the answer of these people. But Luke focuses on Christ's words. Because Luke wants his readers then, and us today, to ask ourselves if we really follow Jesus totally. And brothers and sisters... This is the most important question you can ask yourself. There's nothing more important. It doesn't get more serious than this. Right? It's about life and death. It's about heaven or hell. Do you follow Jesus totally? That's the question. That's the question. Let's be honest here while we're listening to these verses and test ourselves. Am I really following Jesus? Am I really following Jesus? Or is my Christianity just something I do on Sunday in some religious way without heart and soul? Do you follow Jesus totally? Do you follow Jesus in your everyday life? That's the question. So the first point in the the text is that there are many people who believe themselves to be Christians and they even think that following Jesus is a really important part of life. Church is really important. But they don't think that's the most important thing. They don't think that following Jesus is the most important thing in the world. These three people thought that following Jesus is a good thing. I mean, two of them said that they want to follow Jesus. But obviously, even though they wanted to be believers and to follow Jesus, what we see is that wasn't really the most important thing for them. I mean, the third man said it very clearly in verse 61. I will follow you, but... And that but is what keeps a lot of people out of God's kingdom. Now, in the case of the first man, Jesus knew that this man was thinking in a very impulsive and idealistic way. Oh, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, wherever, whenever, no problem. Let's do it. And according to the answer that Jesus gave him, we see that this man wasn't really thinking through. He wasn't aware of the cost of following Jesus. Jesus says to him, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus says to him that to be a Christian means you have to give up your personal comfort. You have to deny yourself and be ready to face anything for Jesus. In other words, Jesus wants to tell him that to be a Christian is not easy. It's not easy. It is, there is a spiritual battle that awaits you. There is a job to be done. There's a difficult path in front of you. And some people will reject you. And some people will mock you. And some people will hate you. Because of your commitment to Jesus. If you want to do the biblical way, it's not easy to follow Jesus at all. That's what Jesus tells the first man. It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever, whenever, no problem for me. But Jesus wants you to know that to follow him in this world is not easy. Do you understand that? 
Are you ready? I mean, of course, it is easy, easy to follow Jesus half-heartedly. A little compromise here, a little compromise there, spiritual laziness. You don't strive to be a doer of the word or to study the word regularly. You're not really committed to your local church. You don't imitate Jesus in your everyday life, in your marriage, as, as a parent. You're not concerned about growing in holiness and purity and Christ-likeness. That kind of Christianity is easy. Everyone can do that. But that's not following Jesus. And that's not even Christianity. That's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. If you follow Jesus like that, with half a heart all the time, you should be really concerned about your soul. Because you're, if that's your lifestyle for many years, you're not born again. And you will end up in hell if you die today, if that's your lifestyle. The only way to follow Jesus is totally. Yes, there are ups and downs, right? Sometimes we grow more in some periods of our life. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we fall. Then we repent. Sometimes we're a little stubborn. We don't repent immediately and God will discipline us. That can happen. It's part of the Christian life. But if you're a Christian, there will be progress since the moment you believed in Jesus. But if it is always this lukewarm type, some emotional, shallow, and worldly type of Christianity without total commitment to Jesus, if it's always like that, you're not saved. You're not saved. And here we see Jesus telling this man that it is not easy to be a Christian. Jesus is always direct, right? Openly saying as it is. Say, always. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to be ready to suffer and fight spiritually and battle with sin, battle against the desires of the flesh, against the spiritual power of darkness, against Satan's temptations and lies, and so on. It is a battle. It's not easy. If you want an easy life here on earth, if you want comfort, then Jesus is not for you. Because to follow Jesus completely should be more important to you than your personal comfort. That's what we see in the situation with the first man. The second man, this guy thought that following Jesus is important, but not more important than some family obligations. When Jesus said to him, follow me, he answered, let me go first and bury my father. That's what we see in verse 59. And this phrase, let me bury my father, in the Middle East doesn't mean that his father like, just died. And Jesus says, you know, follow me. And he says, well, you know what? I need to bury my father. He's dead at home. And then I'll come and follow you. That's not what it means at all. It's not what it means. It's a way of saying, I'll be with my father and mother until they die. Until they die. So when this man says, let me first bury my father, it means as long as my father is alive, I won't be able to follow you completely. That's what he says. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. The Bible does teach that we have to take care of our parents. The fifth command is to honor and obey our parents. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.8, anyone who doesn't provide for his relatives, especially if they're in need, right? That man has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So knowing this, when Jesus says, leave the dead, bury their own dead, he doesn't mean that we shouldn't care for our parents. No, 
What Jesus is saying very clearly here is that our commitment to Jesus should be our number one priority. Leave the dead, bury their own dead. Nothing in this world should be more important to us than Jesus. I mean, of course, take care of your family, love your family, love your parents, honor them with all your heart, obey them in the Lord, love your relatives, but never let anyone stand in your way and hinder you to follow Jesus completely. That's the whole point. And then Jesus adds, But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And there's a reason why Jesus says this. It is because many people reject to serve God because they don't want to spoil their relationship with their family. Oh, what my relatives or parents or uncles or cousins or my in-laws, what would they say about me if I completely uncompromisingly follow Jesus? Maybe they will reject me. Maybe they will turn on me. Maybe they will call me fanatic. I mean, some people allow their family to literally stop them to follow Jesus completely. Some people don't want to be ministers or missionaries because of their family. I know parents that don't want to let their kids to be missionaries because they're afraid that something might happen to them. I've met people that are too embarrassed to go to church even because they're afraid that their family will laugh at them and reject them. And many other examples. That's not following Jesus completely. It's first Jesus, then everything else. If the Bible commands us something to do, our responsibility is always to be obedient, regardless what our relatives will say or some members of our family. Sometimes it can happen that people from your own close family will be against you to obey some biblical command or serve in the church and so on. Will you obey them? Basically, that's what Jesus is saying to this man. And the third man, we see him volunteering to serve Jesus. But first, he wanted to say farewell to those at his home. In other words, this indicated that for this man, following Jesus is important, but not, not that important because it was difficult for him to leave his past behind and his old ways. I mean, according to Jesus' answer, we see that Jesus knows that this man is very superficial in, the decision, in that decision to follow him. This man intentionally doesn't want to leave behind his old life. This is why Jesus says to him in verse 62, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, if you want to follow Jesus, you cannot hold the world with one hand and Jesus with the other. You cannot sit, we say in Macedonia, I don't know if you say that here, you cannot sit on two chairs at once. You cannot follow Jesus with half a heart. You either live for Jesus or for yourself. You either follow Jesus or you follow your own desires and dreams. You either serve Jesus or you're serving your own purposes. You either imitate Jesus or imitate the world. You're either filled with Christ and His Word or sin fills your heart. As the Puritan Thomas Watson said, Unless we deny our own will, we shall never do God's will. Brothers and sisters, there's no middle ground. There is no middle ground. You cannot turn back if you have decided to follow Jesus. My wife and I, we did the same thing when we were teaching our children to walk. And I would, I would stand a little bit far away from them. They would hold one hand on the couch. And they would try to reach me with the other hand. But I'm not standing there so they can have the couch and me at the same time. I want to teach them something. The point was, for them, if they want to reach me, they have to let go of the couch. Right? So they can start walking. And that was my point. You cannot have the couch in me. You cannot have Jesus in the world at the same time. You can't. You can't. So it is, it is either the world and the old way of living, or it is Jesus. The follow Jesus is not just plus one more obligation to your already busy and well-planned life. I'm just going to add a cherry on the top. Church on Sunday. Good. 
No, no. To follow Jesus is Jesus to be your life. Not part of your life. Be your life. Jesus is not here to take part, to take over, but to take over. That's the biblical Christianity. It's all about Jesus. Everything revolves around Jesus. Total and complete commitment to Jesus. When Jesus talks about putting your hand on the plow and not turning back, Jesus basically says, when you believed in him, all your focus and perception of life and your entire worldview has changed. And now you look forward to Jesus alone. That's it. That's, that's what Jesus says here. No turning back if you really came to Jesus in faith and repentance. No turning back. You fixed your eyes on Jesus and on his death on the cross, and now you strive for obedience in your daily life. Now, this brings us to the second main point today, and that is to follow Jesus is not just some important thing, but as we already said, it is the most important thing. Following Jesus faithfully and being obedient to him is the most important thing in life. As I already mentioned, your life needs to revolve around Jesus if you're a Christian, right? And if you're a Christian, it will. It doesn't matter if you're young, old, woman, or teenager. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everything must revolve around Jesus. Jesus has to be the main focus and center of your life if you really follow Jesus. There is no such thing as, there is no, if you follow Jesus, there is no such thing as my life, my will, my job, my time, my stuff, my dreams, my plans, my, my, my. There's no such thing. No. Your life isn't really yours anymore. It's his life. Your time is not really your time. It's his time. Your Will has to be in accordance to his will as it is revealed in the Bible. There's nothing really yours. Everything belongs to Jesus. You're truly following Jesus. He owes you completely. You're his. You're his bound servant. You're his slave. That's what it means. Jesus is our Lord. And we belong to him. Jesus bought you with his own blood. On the cross. And you are his. Everything you are and everything you have belongs to Jesus. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? If you're saved, God saved you so that your life will bring glory to him. You live to please God in everything. With the way you spend your time. With your family life. In your marriage. With your job. With the way you serve in the church. With the way you talk. Think. You're aware that everything needs to be in line with the scriptures. Because that's how you live. For God's glory. So we understand that to follow Jesus is the most important thing in the world. few things about this. First, to be fully committed to Jesus, it cannot be based on emotions. It cannot be based on emotions. The first man in this situation was caught in some emotional euphoria. Yeah, let's follow Jesus. I mean, everybody's following Jesus. Look how many people are coming here. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus too. I feel great today. I'm ready to follow him. I have this warm feeling inside me. I don't know what that means. Uh, but he probably had that, right? I mean, this dude probably saw a lot of people following Jesus. He also saw Jesus performing many miracles. And somehow he got caught in the moment and says, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus knew that this man didn't think that to follow Jesus is to, be, that to, is to be prepared to sacrifice a lot. Jesus knew that. This man wasn't thinking through. A lot of, this man didn't understand that to follow Jesus, there's a lot of denying yourself, dying to yourself, mortifying sin, 
taking up your cross daily and so on. It's not easy. I mean, that's why a lot of people are, quote-unquote, disappointed in God, right? Because they weren't ready to sacrifice and suffer for Christ. Many people today in our churches think that you follow Jesus. Jesus, you know, the point of following Jesus is Jesus will fix all your problems. You will be healthy. You will be blessed. Everything will be okay. That's not true. Jesus never promised that for this life. So to confess that you believe in Jesus is easy. The confession is easy. Sure, confess it with your mouth. But whether or not that confession was true, it will be evident as the time goes by. I know a lot of so-called evangelists, when they preach, they preach only love. God is love. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Probably they have this nice voice also, right? It's a wonderful plan. And then, you know, the guy on the keyboard in the background doing some shady tones and creating, helping the Holy Spirit to make the atmosphere here more spiritual. Uh, whatever they want to do. Uh, so they're trying to manipulate the emotions. And so the, the evangelist says, I say, I've seen these two little children. They're doing this to little children. After creating this atmosphere, now do you want to receive Jesus in your heart? Jesus is knocking on the door. If you want to receive Jesus, pray this prayer after me. And so many people, not just children, grown-ups too, driven by the emotions, by the atmosphere in the room, caught in the moment, will say, yes, yes, I want to receive Jesus in my heart. Probably the music made them cry. Yeah. And some of them will get baptized and they will continue in some church. But as their life goes on, for many of them will be evident there was no true repentance of sin. There was no real commitment to Jesus. There was no really sub- no submission to His Lordship. None of that. They were just led by their emotions in the moment, but in reality, many of them were not born again. And this is really sad. And this is what is going on in many churches. In many churches. So I hope that we understand that to follow Jesus means to live for Jesus, not for yourself or for your dreams. We understand that. To follow Jesus means to totally give up self-autonomy, to start running from sin, to fight against sin, to mortify sin, to repent regularly, and to imitate the character of Jesus. And why all of that? Why? Because you have understood what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's why. Because you know that you are hopeless by birth and on the way to eternal punishment. You know that you don't deserve salvation. You know that. You know that you don't deserve mercy and grace and love. You know that you, because of your sin, you justly deserve hell. And you know how much Jesus loved you and how much Jesus co- it cost Jesus to save you. And what he did on the cross, the perfect Lamb of God shed his own blood for your soul. And you understand that. And you can't help it. You've got to give all your life to this perfect Savior. That's why. That's why you follow him. You know that you've been bought with the price, with the precious blood of the Lamb. And now you know that you owe him everything. That's why you want to follow Jesus. Not because of your emotions. Secondly, to be committed to Jesus cannot be some superficial decision. As I already explained, the second man wanted to wait for his father to die first, and then only then to follow Jesus. That was a superficial decision. That's not how it works. In God's kingdom, there is no, you know, I believe in Jesus, but not so, I'm not so much into it. Uh, I like, I mean, I, I believe Jesus died for me and everything, but I don't think I should, you know, like read the Bible every day now, or go to church regularly, or, you know, not 
that ser- not that seriously, right? If, if that's how you think and that's your lifestyle, you're lost. You need to repent of your repentance. That's not following Jesus completely. Dear brothers and sisters, this is serious. You can die today. You never know. I can die today, right? Every one of us. You never know when is your last day. I can go now home and a car accident can happen and that's it. This is serious. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Where are you going when you die? Was your decision to follow Jesus superficial or real? Ask yourself. Based on what we're talking today, do you really follow Jesus? And third, to be committed to Jesus, it cannot be something that you do occasionally, periodically. And that's the third man. That's why Jesus says to him that he shouldn't look back. A perfect example of this is Lot's wife. You'll know about Sodom and Gomorrah and the situation with Lot and his wife, how she turned back and died. Basically, she was following God, following God periodically. Looked like one time she's really godly. She obeys God, goes with Lot, and then she turns back and she dies. I know a lot of people like that. At some period, they say that they read the Bible, they pray, they serve in the church, they are here, they show interest in spiritual matters, but then suddenly they disappear. You will not see them for months or years or years in the church. That's not real commitment to Jesus. Jesus mentions Lot's wife in Luke 17, verse 32 and 33, where Jesus says, Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to persevere his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. Now it is true that the Christian life, the growth in holiness, it is a process. It is a process. It is, we grow step by step. As the time passes, we study the Bible more. We become more and more Christ-like. Spiritual growth doesn't happen immediately. It needs time, a lot of discipline, studying the Bible regularly and carefully, praying, repenting, persevering, trusting God more and more fellowshipping with Jesus, walking in the Spirit, being committed to the local church. All of those means are for our spiritual growth. And that's a lifetime process. That, that's why being committed to Jesus is always looking forward. Following Jesus cannot be periodically or occasionally. No more going back to your old lifestyle, old sins, old behavior, sinful habits. Like some period, you're very committed and then you disappear. That was the problem with the third man here. He wasn't committed. He was looking back all the time. To close this sermon, I want all of us to remember that the only way to follow Jesus is totally, completely. This morning, we should all ask ourselves, am I following Jesus totally with all that I am? Or maybe you're keeping something in yourself. Some hidden favorite sin. Some sinful habit that you just don't want to give up. Some unrepented sins. Maybe you're more... Impressed by the world than with Christ lately. Maybe you are saved, but in the last few months, the last period, you went astray a little bit. You're not fully committed to Jesus. And this should be a wake-up call. Or maybe you never, you were never committed to Jesus in the first place. Ask yourself. Ask yourself. Maybe the world satisfies you more than Christ. Maybe you're more obsessed with money, material stuff, politics, I don't know, thinking how to get rich, and so on. What are you living for? What are you thinking about most during the day? Let me throw some topics. Christ, the cross, God's grace, or material stuff, money, career, I don't know. 
What are you thinking about the most? Is it Christ and His glory or something else? Ask yourself today, are you following Jesus completely? Be honest with yourself. Even if you're really born again, maybe in the last couple of months you went astray a bit. You're not following Jesus completely. Repent today. Repent today. Come back. Return to Jesus. Never forget that to follow Jesus means to strive to follow Him every day, no matter the cost. We follow Jesus in our homes, in our marriages, workplace, school, college, everywhere. You follow Jesus in the way you spend your time during the day, the way you behave with your spouse. You follow Jesus in with no one is look, when no one is looking. You follow Jesus by studying the Bible regularly, applying it to your life. When you submit to Jesus' authority in every area of your life, when you battle with sin even on the thought level, and repent regularly. When you imitate Jesus and grow in holiness and grow in the fruit of the Spirit, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And again, why do we follow Jesus? Because He is worthy. He is the sovereign Lord of all, and He loved you and He gave Himself for you on the cross. He took God's wrath on Himself that we justly deserve and paid in full. Remember, the Bible calls calls us Children of wrath by birth. That's who we are by birth. That's who we are by nature. We're children of wrath and we're God's enemies by birth. We're sinners. We're going straight to hell. But he loved us first and he gave his life to save us from eternal punishment. What a love. What a love. And I'll, If this love doesn't melt your heart... If this love doesn't cause you to serve him even more and live for him, nothing will. Nothing will. I mean, I can give you a sermon on 12 steps how to follow, follow Jesus more faithfully. And nothing will happen in your life. The cross. His love on the cross. The more you think about the cross, the more you understand God's love. And the more faithfully you will follow him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come humbly before you and we, we're thankful for these words in the scripture. We're thankful that you, were, you gave us this text today and we're thankful that you reminded us of these important truths about how to follow you. Please, Lord, help us through Holy Spirit that our mind will be focused more on the cross and that we will draw power and motivation from the cross to serve you, to live for you, and to glorify, every, to glorify you in everything we do. Bless each and every one of us here. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.